This is session 10 of the Marriage and Family and High Value of the Work course. Please ensure you have your notes and a pen ready as we now continue. God creates Adam and Eve, male and female, He creates them. When God created them in His image, it's talking about God created them as a spirit. When He created them in His likeness, He called them male and female. It talks about the soul. So part of the person of God is a composition of spirit in which there is no sex, so to speak, masculinity, femininity. But then part of God's image is male and female. We need each other. Women, you are as a part of God's likeness as I am in male. The cross represents male and female, the make of one. Male and female in the soul realm represent north and south and east and west. I can't compass my life without my east and west. My east and west can't compass her life without her north and south. We need each other to compass life. I am more linear or visually orientated as male, generally speaking. In the family realm, I am asking things down the road. I need my wife to tell me about what about today. The nappy needs to be changed. You want to take the world. What about today? I need to know about today. My wife needs to know about tomorrow. So I convey tomorrow, she shows me today. And she doesn't compete against me, she compliments me, she makes me whole, she competes me. So we need each other. We need to know that in the likeness of God, in our soul around, we are made differently. Women are more emotionally inclined. Am I right, brothers? Yes. More emotionally inclined. Most men are more stable. Why are you stable? It's because you're looking at things down the road. Why are you emotionally you're looking at things present? So I need to help you to see down the road, but you need to help me to see the present. Because matters is different. So we complement each other. Many people are saying, I love you just as you are, then you spend the rest of your married life trying to change your spouse. <laughs> trying to make your wife a man and trying to make your man a woman. <laughs> it's an impossible thought. You've yeah. heard that thing that says, what is marriage? Uh -huh. I'll alter him. I'll alter him. <laughs> 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 And so we make differently. So our function or our roles are different. Okay? I'm the husband, I'm the father. My wife is the wife and she's the mother. We bring different components that make up the whole. So I need an input because sometimes I'm seeing that and I want to go there. She says, but hang on, let me deal with this over here. So she asks me to see ya, I help her to see that. But I want to talk about fathering. Now fathers, please listen to this. If we, if we catch this, we caught something that's going to be life transformed. So God creates Adam and Eve in His image, talking about the spirit in His likeness, talking about the soul. Then under the rib He made uh, Eve from Adam. Uh, um, Adam means man, and not male and female. So God made a spirit, made us male and female in the soul. Then He made us man and woman in our flesh. We need to know the difference. So often we talk about the man. And you should actually be talking about the female or the male aspect, and not the man or the woman. So woman means taken from man, which is a picture of we are taken from Jesus to the side, from the rib in which he was pierced in the side. All of these things have pictures of Jesus. You find Jesus in everything that you study in the Bible. Amen. If you don't find Jesus, you better find your spouse in your marriage. 
that Jesus represents us. But when God creates Adam and Eve in his image and his likeness, then in man and woman, the enemy from day dot, from the first day until the last day, has one primary strategy. And we need to know it. So about the series, there's only one. Another teaching I'll have on radio probably in the next few weeks. There's only one thing in this regard that the enemy will attack until the end of time. So what he does is the enemy comes as a serpent to deceive. And he comes to Adam through Eve, but then he comes to Adam and Eve and he says, Did God really say? So this was his motive. He sought to derive two outcomes. The first was to cut off the children from the father. That was the first fallen man. Was to cut off the children from the father. And then with the children of God, God was the father. You as a father, the father of the children, you must know the enemy wants to cut you off from your children. He's after your children. If he can cut you off from your children, he will arrive and measure the victory. Of course, there's restoration in Christ. There's renewing the mind, so don't repeat the action. There's all of that good stuff. And he sent his word to heal. You spoke about healing first. Psalm 107 verse 20 says he sent his word to do what? To heal you. And what's the result of healing? And deliver you from all of your destruction. Healing first, deliver us later. Don't fix up the fruit, do with the root, I need healing in my soul. So send his word to heal me. As long as I'm sick, imagine my leg was broken. Go to the next marriage, it's going to be the same thing. When it's healing, I can walk into the marriage, deliver from that that encompassed me in my pulse. So send his word to first heal. So the enemy came to cut the children from the farm. Secondly, to cut off the voice of the Father. Did God the Father really say? Because the Father is the voice of direction. The Father is the first example of the Christ. The Father is the one who settles the identity in the heart of the child. And if Satan can cut off the presence of the Father, who is now removed or absent or even abdicating his role, he then also cuts away the voice of the Father, which is the directing voice, and leads it to the wife who God hasn't given that voice in the avenue of family. Yeah. May have given her that voice in the avenue of her business or her church, but in the avenue of family, the father's voice is the most predominant voice. Amen. So fathers, your voice won't be silent, but your voice needs to represent a voice, it's the voice of Jesus. It's not the voice of Jesus, be silent, but if it's the voice of Jesus, have something to say. Amen. But practice the thing that you have that has something to say. Speak the voice of Jesus. Jesus said this, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear the Father say. That is the role of husband and father. That is Paul where he said, 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, follow me as I follow Christ. What he was saying is I'm setting an example. That example will draw you after Christ in and through me. So fathers, that's the first thing that happened in the garden. Then throughout 2,000 years of scripture, we get to the last book in the Old Covenant, Malachi chapter 4. After Malachi chapter 4, we call it the 400 silent years. In other words, God didn't engage with mankind. He was around, he would be speaking to mankind. God never leaves, never forsakes. 
But I feel God is saying this until we get this right. I'm going to say one last thing now. And I'm going to tell you what the result's going to be if you don't address it. I'm telling you this last thing. Malachi's now going to write the last two scriptures and then we close the Old Covenant and the New Covenant only starts to be written 400 years later. There's nothing more I want to say to you. But God's saying. He says, I want to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children so that the hearts of the children can be turned back to the fathers. Not with the heart of the child to turn back to you, Father. If you've turned your heart away from your child, they're going to turn their hearts away from you. You've got to go and fetch them. Like God the Father came back and walked in the cool of the morning back in the garden again. He came back to re-engage with the children. Because he said, children, you did me wrong. You didn't honor me. You're out of here. He came down from heaven, came back to God and said, I'm coming to fetch my children. I'm here. And when the heart of the Father came back, what did he do? It drew the heart of the children and Adam back to the and then it says this, and of course that's the old covenant being the new, but the principle remains, I can still be exposed to this. He says he wants to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, so that is the injunction there. The children's hearts can be turned back to the father, or else the land will be struck with a curse. The number one pandemic in this, on this earth has got nothing to do with COVID. By the way, in my view, it's a pandemic, not a pandemic. You can work that out for yourself. Study scripture, you find that my conclusion is accurate, and you're wanting to be right as I am. <laughs> but the number one pandemic on the planet is to rob the children from the father. The father's the north and south. Vision is lost. Because emotion and the horizontal is all that remains. Now we're even to the wife to do something we call to do. Do the best you can do, but not equipped to do, because you and I were equipped to do so, and we're now putting that load on her back, and that load is no longer light and easy, it's heaviness burdens. And if you may be sitting here today, and you do have children from the past, not even a question, you function in love. You pay that maintenance every month. Oh, I don't have it for me. It's not about you. It's about them first. Amen. You look after their child first. You look after their estranged wife first, especially to the perpetrator that resulted in that outcome. You support them. I've often said that Vanessa and I never got divorced and that had happened. I walk out there with only what I need to take with me so I can support her when I'm gone. Buy mm-hmm. 10 cars and I'll stay behind. Buy five houses. Four stay behind. Because that's love. Amen. That's love. Love always wants to leave a blessing wherever it goes. So, fathers, we have a privilege, maybe a half calling, but it's a privilege. If we see responsibility higher than privilege, we're going to climb. It's a privilege. God, I can be that vacuum that draws my wife, that draws my kids. No matter what the past is, broken that it may be, Lord, if I can go back and say, will you forgive me? And if we get to the place of a second marriage, do not get married until you exercise forgiveness. Got to go back to the ex-spouse and say, look, I did you wrong. Please forgive me. Friends, if you don't visit that past so you can take your future, your future will become the product of your past. You go back and say, please forgive me, I did you wrong. 
But they tell you not, not just tick the block. You go back and say, Lord, but I want you to minister to my heart. I need healing, Lord God. That resulted in my practice. Lord God, heal me. I want to go over to genuine hearts and say, my spouse, my children, please forgive you. Daddy or mommy did you wrong. Whatever that applies. And you restore those relationships. You come back to the point that you described, yeah. You're going forward into other relationships, you're going to get the same results, friends. Yeah. You get the same results. When we talk about a blended marriage, one of my first points, in fact, it is the first point, I said, be sure your heart is healed from any past hurts. And be sure you have forgiven all that is in the consequence of your past. Until you go past that step, don't miss the rest of what I've written down. Don't do that. Get healing in the heart, and part of the healing process is to go back and say, please forgive me. That's a big man, by the way. That's a big man. I am a confessor. Go back and say, I did you wrong. And you will see the power of forgiveness can reinstate the children can come back to the fold. The status quo may have changed. When you move on, by the way, friends, let me share this. If you're moving on into another relationship or marriage, let's say the second, the third, whatever it might be, the sixth or seventh, it's so important that you forgive in your past, that you've been healed in your past, that you've gone back to the Word of God to reestablish that that you're going to take into the future. Consolidate those. And then there's certain things you have to leave behind you. Okay? There's some things you can never leave behind you. The face of those things may have a different representation, but there's some things you can never leave behind you. What's one thing you can never leave behind you? Your children. There are other facets to consider, but you cannot say, well, that's in my past. <laughs> that, your consequence is not there to walk with. You don't fix that thing up. And you've got to work it out with the person you're going to get married to. So when you get married a second time, we call that a blended marriage, you're not just marrying the lady or the man. You're marrying everything that comes with. The lady of five children, you marry into those children. Now how does that work? How that works is this. You can't say, look, I'm marrying your, your mother or I'm marrying your father. So now I am your mother, I'm your father. Trust is going to be hurt, you're going to have to be very slow and very patient. Those children are hurting. They've also been compromised. A lot of trust has been broken by the example of the past. You cannot insist that they will respect and honor you. You do that, then marriage is going to be on rocky ground very quickly. So you're going to heal and you're going to walk the process through with your children. Where does the process start? Please forgive me. And take responsibility. Not, I did you wrong, but your mother. There's no ownership there. Let the mother do what she may need to do. You do what you need to do. I did wrong, but you know your mother was this and that and the other. That's not a forgiving heart. Because when God forgives, He forgets. And until I, I can forgive, will I ever forget? No. So what we do is we now carry that into our next marriage. Then we represent our, and represent our past. Talk about our past spouse. Our past history. What he or she was. Do not take that into your current marriage. It's going to be a cancer that's going to destroy that marriage. So those are things you're going to leave behind. But to leave it behind, sometimes you need to have those conversations beforehand. And be honest. If you're not honest, it's going to be a valid road. So this is what happened. 
This was my contribution to what happened. God has shown me that I'm early in this way. Because if you take that like a cancer, you know cancer, or HIV AIDS, you bring it into the light and into the oxygen it dies. But when you keep it in here, you can cut it out, that malignancy is coming back. So now you're trying to cut it out and move on, but you still ingested that thing. It's going to visit your marriage down the road. So you've got to resolve those things. Forgiveness is powerful. Take ownership. I said, maybe not in this context, but when our marriage was in a bad place, 75, maybe 80% was this man. Let's take ownership. I said, but, 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 what about, but, but? No. 75, 80% was me. That's meekness. That's humility. That's being true, and the truth will set you free. So in a blended marriage situation, you want to make sure that you don't get married while you're still a victim. You want to resolve and talk through the situation of the past and be transparent with each other. You need to get to know each other and where you're working from. Resolve those matters. And then get to the point where many of them are buried and left in the past. But as I said, there's some things that will come with you. They're going to come with you. So also understand this thing marriages, you know that over 50% of marriages result in divorce. Over 60% of second-time marriages also result in divorce. The percentage goes by 10 to 15% in the second time. Most because we haven't forgiven, we carry our past into our present. We don't understand how to work with the children. You're going to have to earn. Trust is earned. Yeah. When the trust is broken, trust needs to be re-earned. Yeah. What's the starting point of building the road of trust? What brings me back to the starting line of trust? Forgiveness. Maybe there's a man unconsciously been unfaithful to his wife for quite some time with a number of different women. And so they came to see me and through the process of meeting with them, uh, I led her and or him to forgive each other. So he asked the wife, he said, will you forgive me for my practice? She said, yes. They had an appointment with me the next week, they came back and was very upset. He said, last week, you led us on the powerful thing of forgiveness. Ask my wife to forgive me, she would give me. She wouldn't let me go out last week Wednesday night. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you're at the starting line to rebuild trust. Forgiveness doesn't mean I trust you. Forgiveness means I give you a fresh opportunity to come back to the starting line, and now you have to build that trust again. The Bible says there must be fruits of repentance. Yeah. Don't get fruit in three days, my friends. It takes a while. And you stay home, you lock the door, and you make sure that you quarantine and you're better than night. You're going to build trust. No one goes with the boat, we're going to have a pub. No, you stay inside and you find the house. Your cell phone is on the table. Your directory's on the table. You're building trust. You know what trust does? It gives you so much space that there's too much room to move. Vanessa never questioned me about where I am. So later I'm going to have a quiet time, I'm going to get the bicycle out, I'm going to take a walk, I'm going down there, I'm going to the shopping mall and have some coffee. I do things for security reasons, I put on a live tracking and all that type of thing. But what I'm saying is trust gives you room to move. Yeah. A lack of trust tightens things up. But when there's trust, there's space that you can move. And so if you're going to get remarried, friends, walk those steps, there's more we want. We thank you for listening to this teaching and trust it was a blessing to you. Please go to the next teaching in the series hereafter. Should you wish to reach out to ourselves, 
or should you have any questions, please mail us on marriage at foryourgood.net. Should you want to know more about For Your Good Ministries, please visit our website www.foryourgood.net. God bless as you enjoy the next session on marriage and family and the high value of God's work.